0: Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Seavers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue with the Silver King's letters, dearest ones from Europe in May of 1945. The war has just ended in the European Theater of Operations, and the Silver King and his guys have been sharing the good news, getting tight, wondering about the Pacific Theater and how long it will take to go to whatever may be next. As Stanley is exchanging letters with his family in mid-May, and the war is over in Europe, and the king and his crew await the next work, his guys who went MIA in the middle of February of 1945, his original crew from Barksdale at Shreveport, Louisiana, are writing to him letters that he will receive in a few weeks And, of course, when he receives them, he'll be stunned. His pilot, Jack Festy, wrote to the king on May 4th of 1945 from Mossberg, Germany. Hello, Stan. Well, it looks like the bad penny was returned to life. Thank goodness. Yes, I and all the crew were intact and in fairly good health, and we are all here in Mossberg. We all escaped injury except Hauser, who was our passenger, who was shot twice in the shoulder by ground troops when he landed in his chute. He is okay now. The ship was demolished and looked like a potato grounder when I last saw it. When I bailed out, The entire left wing was on fire. I've been liberated for five days now. Hope to leave here soon, but there aren't any definite plans as yet. We may go to France or England from here, and then to the States. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm afraid I've developed either rheumatism or arthritis due to the exposure, I guess my knee joints aren't in very good shape please see that my clothes and watch and other valuables are intact and sent off properly i'll be needing them some day soon give my regards to all the fellows i expect many of them have returned to the states by now if i have a chance i'll look you up if you're still in the eto incidentally marvel and his crew were here and okay also intact j marshall's crew haven't seen or heard of any others regards jack this amazing letter from jack festy was written on a vmail and of course very surprising for the king when he got it and for me as the man who's telling his father's story, when I read it for the first time almost a decade ago. And now, just behind Festy's letter comes a letter dated May 5th of 1945 from the King's co-pilot, Jim Fombie Jr. He writes, Hi, Stan. I understand from Branch that you think Festy's boys are kaput. But maybe this will prove a little differently. Right now, we are all in Germany waiting to get home. Only wish I had some way of getting in touch with Overby. Quickly to see if he could come and get us. But I imagine that would take too long. Yes, the whole crew got out safely and are here. Things haven't been ideal by a long shot, but all in all, I guess that hasn't been too bad. The main thing is being alive and well. I don't imagine I'll be coming by the base to say hello to all the fellows who are still there. Hope I run into you back in the States." I hope you sent all my things home for me, even though you thought I was dead. It will save me a lot of money if you did. That is, if they ever find me. I guess that's all for now, fellow. See you later, Jim. This letter from Jim Fomby, Jr., Stan's co-pilot, is all the more remarkable because Stanley and his family had just exchanged letters about... Jim Fonby Jr., and the fact that Jim's dad had written to Stanley's parents to inquire about Jim and to ask if they knew anything. You may recall that Stanley's advice to his mother particularly was to say to Mr. Fonby that she didn't really know anything, and that if Jim was alive, and a POW, that the family would learn of that long before anyone else. Our hero, the Silver King, and Jim Fonby, Jr. were practically neighbors in the States. Jim was from Louisiana, and of course, our hero, the King, was born in Birmingham. But in the years after the war... When I knew my dad, of course, he didn't talk about the war. And, of course, that meant he never talked about his guys, even though they were practically neighbors as young men. Stanley continues to write to his family from Germany in mid-May of '45, And this is a letter dated May 14th. Dearest ones, "'I haven't heard from you for a few days, but I'm not complaining. I haven't written as often as I should, so I can't expect to receive. Now that hostilities have ceased, I'm hoping you're not expecting me to write as regularly as before. The situation hasn't changed since my last letter. Consequently, I can't give you any news.' You're probably very anxious to know what will happen to me now, and I assure you that I'm just as anxious, but your guess is as good as mine. One of three things can carve my immediate future. I can become part of the army of occupation, I can go direct to the Pacific, or I can be sent home. Naturally, all my hopes are based on the latter, and I shall be greatly disappointed if one of the others comes true. So, my advice to you is to be patient as you have been thus far. Remember, everything happens for the best. After VE Day, we were given a three-day holiday during which time I visited that part of Germany which had caused us so much hell during hostilities, the Ruhr Valley. I visited Dusenberg, Essen, and Dusseldorf, all being big industrial centers. I was very anxious to see just what the Allied air power had done, and I was very satisfied with the results. All the cities have been reduced to rubble. The same as I described of Koblenz, only maybe a little worse. It's evident that air power was the deciding factor. They were crippled in every means of manufacturing, besides the entire city being leveled. But now that it's all over, the people have come out of hiding and are moving back into what is left of the city. Already, they are shoveling and attempting to clear the rubble from the streets. Men, women, and children can be seen working with just their bare hands, removing the debris. Of course, it's easy to see how the army has drained the families. Only very old and very young are left. And I never saw so many children between the ages of one in five. It's remarkable the way Hitler had his people producing. You can almost look at them and see another war in 20 years. And I'm not kidding. The Germans are industrious people. I saw that with my own eyes. Their country is the closest comparison to the states that I've seen yet. They are so far ahead of the French, it is pathetic. As one intelligence officer put it, if I wanted to return here in two years, I wouldn't believe there had been a war. Perhaps this is giving them too much credit, but I find it not too hard to believe. The farmer and his fields are intact. Never having been touched by the war... And as you know, the farmer is the backbone of a nation. There is beautiful farmland with every inch utilized. Honestly, as you travel along the highway, it makes you homesick. It's so much like the States. Of course, it will be a hard winter for most of Germany, especially the people in the cities because of the food shortage and that will be due to the lack of transportation. But I suppose Uncle Sam will feed them as usual. I only hope that this time the peace terms will be adhered to. If not, God help us 20 years from now. I received the temple serviceman with my face plastered all over it, and I've never been so disgusted in all my life. I'm absolutely ashamed of myself, and thank God I'm not there to face the people because the embarrassment would be more than I can bear. Why you ever did such a thing, I shall never know. I simply can't understand you. Surely you must have known better than to consent to such notoriety. I'm not a hero. I haven't done any more than the next man. When I saw that, I was so ashamed, I couldn't even show it to my buddies. I almost feel like writing the rabbi and asking him to retract the ridiculous article. But what's done is done, and can't be undone. It seems to me that you would have asked my permission, since I didn't agree with the last article written about me." And this time, you can't say it wasn't your fault, as I know you're the only ones that have my picture. And thanks, Dad, for your very sweet letter on my birthday. I just wish you would write more often. No more news for now. Oh, yes, I received a birthday card in quarterly from FIAP. Do you know how they got my address? My love to... C.C. and Ida, keep well, I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley wrote this four-page letter after touring Germany post-war and looking at the work that, as he described it, the American air power did to cities in the Ruhr Valley. And ironically, in contrast to the letters that Jack Festy and Jim Fonby wrote from their POW status as the war in Europe ended. Our hero, the king, as he always seems to be, remains humble and wanted his folks to bury the lead about his presence on the cover of the Temple Emmanuel Bulletin called Serviceman. Stanley's picture and the story of his success lead that spring's issue. He has a copy of it now, and he can't even share it with his buddies, acknowledging that everyone's work is the same, that some men lived and others died so that America could remain free. And we have reached the end of Part two of the Silver King's Letters, Dearest Ones, from May of 1945 in Europe. And you are listening to the Silver King's War.